Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And good morning. Welcome to yet another edition of the Northland Sports Page. It's Brian Prudhomme. It's Dave Cook. It's Saturday. We are here to make your hearts happy until at least noon. Now, why would I use a phrase like that? Because... The second I got into Dave Cook's car this morning, in fact, seconds before, he yelled out the passenger side door. I know radio is not a visual medium. No, that's not what he yelled. But he yelled, it makes my heart happy to see what you're wearing today. I'll let him disclose it. Dave Cook, tell the world why your heart is so happy based on my wardrobe choice today. Well, last night, I don't know if you caught that, Brian, but the uh, the Gophers beat North Dakota 4 to nothing last night. Which has nothing to do with my wardrobe choice, and I Except had to remind you of out, that immediately. You came out with a great big M on your sweatshirt, and it was just like heartwarming. That's all. So he overlooked the fact that it says, row the boat right across it, and it's the focal point <laughs> oh, hockey sticks. of the sweatshirt. Mm, because my oars. family is down in Iowa City for Hawkeyes Gophers today. So I'm supporting that. But yes, you're absolutely right. Minnesota demolished North Dakota in hockey last night. And it also was a big night for maroon and gold over green because UMD demolished Bemidji State by the same score. Good to see your alarm went off. Yes, you're supposed to be on the air right now. Yes, that's what I'm curious what that alarm tells you. Yeah, it said, hey, guess what? Show started at 10. Which I was going to say, is it concerning that your alarm went off at 10.03 when the show does start at 10? That explains quite a bit. What if Dave would have been on time for the show? But he did get here on time today. Again, we are here until noon. Should be a fun day because this is a fun time of year. You and I were talking yesterday afternoon about, you know, we'll do drawing lines to close the show. And Ryan Arola with the Roll Architecture Studio is so kind to let us kind of have carte blanche with that. Yeah. Because I was never good with anything artsy to begin with. There's going to be no drawing today. It's going to be another one of scribbling lines because sport du jour, there's way too many to even pick one. Yeah, we're, we're drawing lines, Brian. We're just drawing more ones that look like that corrugated tin. If so it was a coloring straight. book, I can't stay in the lines. Right, right, right. So we're, we'll have fun. Everything's going. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Before we do any of that, let's talk about our sponsors. I already mentioned the king of our sponsors, the longest tenured one, Ryan Arola with the Arola Architecture Studio. Once Dave gets off his phone, I'll let well, him pay homage. there's not even an alarm set. Try to pay attention to the show. I'll try to have Dave Cook pay homage to our sponsors instead. All right, let's start. Avenue 45. You know, Avenue 45 took care of Brian this week. Like, you told yes. me, hey, I'm heading to Avenue 45 to get my locks trimmed. And uh, they did such a wonderful job. We wanted to start with them. Today. I think that's the closest way that Dave has ever said, Brian, you look good. He's complimenting Avenue 45's work. So Correct. thank you. Go ahead. Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Comfort Systems, Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Krause Heating and Cooling, Your Carrier HVAC Authorized Dealer, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, and the Blackwoods Group, including their locations, Tavern on the Hill, Blackwater right downtown, Two Harbors, Proctor, and the location on London Road, the one you and I tend to frequent. I was going to say, we do tend to frequent it frequently as well. And speaking of frequently, we frequently talk about a number of sports, and we said this is the time of year to do that. Not only is it a number of sports, it's a number of levels. You've got prep sports to talk about. You've got college sports to talk about. You've certainly got professional sports in a big, big way. And we're going to sprinkle a little bit of all of that in. And we started with college because, again, my sweatshirt of choice today has go for football, row the boat. Let's see if they can row it in Iowa City and beat the Hawkeyes for the first time in forever. Generation, yeah. And, you know, you made your comment about my wardrobe choice, and I knew you would. That was part of my motivation, too. it was not. But at the same time, I thought... You know, my family's there. What if they're actually able to see a good game? What if Minnesota's offense is able to wake up a little bit? What if a defense that isn't bad can stop an offense that isn't good and they finally pull off this win? But the operative words in all of those statements I just gave are the first two. What if? Because that's something that I think sports talk shows and sports banter is kind of based around. Because everything that happens in sports usually end up concluding it with what if this what if that 100 and i think we've talked about this for years and i think back to my dad's favorite holiday phrase if ifs and buts were candies and nuts we'd all have a merry christmas but what if is so prevalent in sports and especially 
in Minnesota sports. So it's actually a series we're going to start for about the next month. Yeah, no, but it'll be fun. We're going to what if all of our franchises. You know, we've had all these moments where, you know, sports fans, have Minnesota sports fans have their hearts ripped out over and over again. Right. It's why how it, it is why we act like we act. So we thought we'd bring a few of those up. Absolutely. And as much as I love coming up with great ideas for opening topics, I can't fully take individual credit for this at all because I found it by watching a decade by decade, eight part documentary on the Minnesota Vikings and kind of the trials and tribulations of the Minnesota Vikings. It's on YouTube. If you're interested, get in touch with me. I'll tell you how to find it. May even put it on our Twitter account or our X account if that's what you prefer. But at the same time, here's the part of it that kind of stunk. I found it because I had seen banter about it from two individuals in our area that thrive on Viking misery. So I was sick of them talking about it, and it was like, all right, I'll watch it. Maybe <laughs> it'll be therapeutic. <laughs> but that's the other thing. If you thrive on Viking misery, you've been thriving for a while. Well, it's tough to do what ifs on the super positive stuff. You know, what if they would have taken somebody, somebody instead of Adrian Peterson? Well, no, we won that one. So right. We don't want to do that. We did actually come out smelling <laughs> like a rose on that one. But I don't want to talk about what things have smelled like here recently. <laughs> we will do that shortly with PA. PA will join us at about 1030. But what we did is we wrote out our top five. And I went as far as 10 because there were too many. Because we're going to start with the Minnesota Vikings. Our top five what ifs. And I'm going to let you start. I like when you guide the ship. Because you're right. more of the writer pre-show anyway. Right. It was very foreign for me to be writing things down before we started and, this morning. And you, like you said, Dave, you're just a little bit deeper than you should be today. So yes. it'll be interesting. All right. So number five for me is a low-hanging fruit. We've talked about it a hundred times. What if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't get hurt? Yeah, and I'm glad you started with that one because it was the first among my honorable mentions. Because there are low-hanging fruits. And this one probably is one of them. But I think I came up with five that are perhaps hanging even lower. So it was number six for me. So it's a good place to start because it is the most current. Now, Teddy's been gone a while. You can say, what do you mean current? Well, let's think of the domino effect that transpired because of it. That's the trick here. If Teddy doesn't get injured, Sam Bradford never plays here. You can argue that as a result, Case Keenum probably doesn't play here. And then, of course, the biggest domino, whether you love him or hate him, and there are fans that do both, Kirk Cousins probably Never ends up in a Viking uniform. Well, I'll take it as another step. Mike Zimmer still might be your coach. And the reason being is you remember what he said when they signed Cousins. Zimmer wasn't in favor. Right. Zimmer said, all this money you're going to spend on this dumb quarterback is taking money away from my defense and offensive line. And you know what we're complaining about right now? The lack of talent on our defense and offensive line. And there is... 30% of the salary cap at quarterback. Right. So if they did that, and and Teddy probably, Teddy's probably not at the level Kirk's been playing the last two years, right? His money probably isn't at the same amount, and I think that's fair to say. So oh, I think it is for sure. We're spending money on all these positions that we're worried about now. I think the Vikings are probably better throughout this time. I think you're probably right, and the Zimmer angle is interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but if you think of just about any coach – what they want to do, whether they're an offensive guru or not, is to have their own quarterback to mold yes. and build the franchise around. I'm trying to think of a Viking coach in my lifetime, starting in 1979, that really got the opportunity to do that. Because the closest thing to taking a draft pick and turning him into a franchise quarterback, for me in my lifetime, was Dante Culpepper. I know yeah. the Christian Ponder experiment was out there, but let's just try to forget that peacefully. Dante that Culpepper included coming up. Dante Culpepper <laughs> really didn't even get a chance to get molded by anybody because initially it was Dennis Green and then it became Mike Tice and then it just be kind of kind of became a bleep show if I'm going to be nice. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Teddy getting injured is one of the biggest what ifs. What if that doesn't happen? Now I've never liked the mantra of assumption that Teddy Bridgewater was on this trajectory to the next big thing. It is a bummer that we never got to find out, but as soon as we didn't, everybody put him up there with the best of the best, and I've just never seen it that way. Our next guest has as much to do with everybody's love of Teddy Bridgewater as Teddy Bridgewater. Well, you can say that our next guest has a lot to do with everybody's love of the Vikings for the last 20-plus years. True, true. So it's interesting. Where did you go with number four? I'll get you my number five when you do that. My number four, Mike Tomlin never leaves the building. We go instead with uh, Childress. We right. kept Childress, and we let but Tomlin But then we never would have had that kick-ass offense. Wouldn't we would you have never that? would have, but we'd have had Mike Tomlin, and he's been the Steelers coach ever since. Well, and you can play an interesting quarterback game with that, too, because 
if Brad Childress doesn't come here, does Tavares Jackson ever come here? No. Does Brett Favre ever come here? Because it might be Mike Tomlin can say, we can have a somewhat pedestrian quarterback. He has it now. And he's always built his success around defenses. I know Ben Roethlisberger will end up in the Hall of Fame. I get it. But when I think of elite quarterback play, Ben's down my list. The Pittsburgh Steelers, to me, are still a defensively driven football team. Yep. And they always have been long before Mike Tomlin. I get that. But Mike Tomlin emphasized it. I'm just curious if the Vikings would have said, ah, we can have fair to partly cloudy, if you will, at quarterback, and we can win with defense. Mike Tomlin would have done that. They Brad might have Childress won with Pond- They might have won with Ponder if, uh, if Tomlin's here because he doesn't make Ponder do anything. All right, so my number five is something that every good quarterback likes to benefit from if they can, and it's having a good running game. What if Robert Smith doesn't bow out of the game in his yeah. late 20s? We don't go through. The first thing you said to me when I brought this up is they might not get Adrian. And I said, well, wait a minute. Smith's retirement, Adrian's draft are a half dozen years apart. That's far enough apart where I'll say they could have seamlessly transitioned from one to the other. And you could have gotten rid of the Wizenator era, the Michael Bennett era, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. And, you know, whatever was in between. I think there was a year where Mo Williams led them in rushing prior to that. Yep, Taylor was in there um, the year before. But they would never have been in a slot to get Adrian, I guess is my point. They would have been better if Robert Smith hadn't retired. In fact, they might have been really good in there. Well, that is the biggest question. You're never in a slot to draft Adrian Peterson, but guess what? It shouldn't be on your wish list to be there. Correct. So that is the interesting part. My number four, just to catch back up, is what if Corey Stringer basically, you know, to put it bluntly, doesn't die? What if the Corey Stringer tragedy doesn't happen? What if he plays out a double-digit year career, mainly in purple. It's grandiose, and I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here because I hate when people say it about Teddy Bridgewater, so how can you say it about Corey Stringer? But what if he's on that trajectory, which it looked like he was, to a Hall of Fame-level career? Yep. You talked about how much we you know, whine about, to put it FCC allowed, with our offensive line. Corey Stringer in that group was some of the best we've ever had. Mm-hmm. When Corey Stringer left, it obviously went down a bit, but the emotional toll on Randy Moss, on Chris Carter, Danny. on that entire team. See, and, and I have I've told you my favorite podcast is a podcast called The Fork in Time. And it says when a specific thing happens, you know, what ends up happening and when does it come back together, right, to the timeline. And the impact that his death had on all these players, and I think Denny Green. I think Denny Green, if he's got that offense and he's feeling good about his players instead of that life-changing mistake he made, right. I think he's longer here. Like I think his death impacted this, seismically impacted this team. Well, how sad is it, literally, that if you wanted to do a what-if related to death with the Minnesota Vikings, you could actually have a few. Remember how good of an offensive mind Chip Meyer was? They promoted him to yeah. offensive coordinator. And he has a heart attack and passes away. Do you remember when the offensive line seemed to be the missing link and the Vikings had Tony Sperano yep. and he passes away before the season as well? You could have a death-oriented Minnesota Vikings. I can't believe this Ouch. happened. Yeah, that's and that's true. terrible to think, but it's yep. the truth. It is the truth. You're right about that. You're right about that. And I forgot about Tony Sperano. It, that spun that team for a right. loop. Now, we didn't know what we were going to have, but it was supposed to be not unlike Brian Flores to a lesser degree, of course, but it was, well, their personnel is not that great, but you got a coach that can put it together well, until had, all of a sudden you didn't. Didn't you have head coaches at all levels? Didn't it wasn't. So it was Zim and it was and you had Norv Norv and it was Soprano and Sperano. But yes, yes Tony, Tony right? Soprano is also passed right. away. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the, the, that death, I hadn't thought of that. That death changed everything. So I didn't have that on my list, but we morphed into another talker. And this is why it's hard to do just five. Honestly, it was hard to do just 10. I've got 10 thanks to five that we're going to talk about and five honorable mentions that I'll just mention. Give me your number three. My number three. There was one game uh, in Zimmer's career that he made a decision that really was great, and he walked away from it because he didn't like the guy. And that's when he put Cordell Patterson at running back against St. Louis, and he went off. And instead of saying, okay, we found something that works, he plunked him back out a wide receiver as a guy who couldn't run any routes. Right. See, five years later, Atlanta puts him at running back. He's gaining 900 yards a year in a terrible offense. If he would have said, we got something here, how would that have changed the direction of what we're doing now? 
Cordell might still be your running back. Well, you talk about C five years later with number 84, Cordell Patterson in Atlanta. I'll even double down and say C five years prior. What was wrong with what we did with Percy Harvin? He yeah. ran the ball just fine, still played wide receiver, was the definition of a dual threat. Now, granted, outside of Minnesota, his career fell apart. Yeah. There, believe it or not, are some that do that. We always talk about everybody that leaves Minnesota and succeeds. There are some that go the opposite direction. But yes, there was a golden opportunity to basically facilitate a slash type player, not yep. Cordell Stewart, but Cordero Patterson, and have some success. And Mike Sims Zimmer like him. and some others just didn't either like him or didn't like the idea. Yep. No. And that, and I remember watching that, thinking, "Oh my gosh, we have something." And then the next week, it was like, "What? That didn't happen." You just put your hand up and said, "La la la!" la. I didn't see that. And right. You get tunnel vision. Back. Yeah. So my number three, and quite frankly, my two and one also are all about narrative changing because we know we've talked about it now for almost six years. Every Saturday from ten to noon here on the Northland Sports Page, we've talked about. What is the overwhelming feeling about franchise X, Y, or Z in Minnesota? And they're just never going to change. Well, I'm going to talk about how they could have. My number three is what if the Herschel Walker trade is never made? And I look at it and I say, well, am I really that upset with them for making it? No, we've talked about that many times. You looked at those teams in that era and they were a running game away from supposedly being ridiculously good. And the running back in that era that everybody wanted, we thought, was Herschel Walker and it just didn't work. Now you could go deeper and say, well, what if Bob Schnelker could run him north-south instead of east-west? You might have seen a different version of Herschel Walker. What if the Green Bay game was a taste of what was to come rather than an anomaly in the rest of his purple career? But then I think the narrative changes because if the Herschel trade isn't made, maybe the Dallas continue to be a laughingstock for a decade instead of build a Super Bowl dynasty out of it. And then maybe there's a little less consternation over every transaction that the Vikings make, period. <laughs> now, I know we're okay, in... Okay, I didn't think about that. That's good. I know we're in a difficult era now. <laughs> I know we, you and I talked about on the way here, the trust in Quasi Adolfo Mensa, from the fan base at least, really isn't there. So I know it's still going to be under a microscope. But we're talking like back to 1989 to present day. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Anytime they deal, sign, or draft anyone... Did we either just give somebody the next coming of Herschel Walker, miss out on something, and have it end up be like Herschel Walker? Every transaction this team tries, just like every game, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. That might be the best take. Let's just call her a day. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm done. We'll see you next Saturday. Yep, yep, yep. So my next one, Brian, is illness-related. Okay. All right. So Thank you. I have a cold today. We drafted three defensive linemen in about five years. That could have been something, right? And I'm talking about uh, Kadechi Udeze. Yeah. We're talking about Erasmus James. Right. And we're talking about Sharif Floyd. Erasmus James was supposed to teach me to like Wisconsin. The the first round draft picks that were spent on those guys, Udeze looked like he was going to be a guy. And he comes down with cancer. Right. Right. Erasmus James, while maybe not all that interested in the sport, and it turned out long term that he wasn't. But if he doesn't blow his knee in preseason, you remember who was drafted in the second round, right? Or maybe a second, first-round pick, Greenway. Like, Erasmus James was the first guy. Greenway was the second guy. And, I mean, and Udezi was the year before. So all of a sudden, you'd have two-pillar defensive ends, and you had the linebacker who is going to in the Vikings Hall of Fame, right? But you have to think about, if we didn't have Chad, where would our friend of the show be? Who, by the way, I didn't call today because it is Iowa, Minnesota, and I just didn't want to hear Hawkeye bragging ahead of schedule. Go ahead. <laughs> and then Sharif Floyd was the third of the picks. Right. Uh, with, um, with Cordell. Is he still on the injured list? That's the only be. time I ever saw Sharif Floyd. Cordell and the Hitman. That was your, your first round. And... Everybody thought going into the draft that Sharif Floyd was a top five guy, and he was the first time I ever heard him draft short arms, right? And so he pushed all the way back. So when we got him in the mid-20s, it was like, oh, my God, we got a guy. And he played really well when he played, and then he got injured, and it was just gone. Think about the depth that we would have had at defensive line with two solid edges who would be close to their retirement yeah. and a stud defensive tackle if they just could have stayed healthy. I'm glad you went that route because the draft is a topic all its own, and I have to be careful even saying that to you because I know how big of a nookie blanky event it is for you, and it's an eye-roll event for me, and I'm working on it because more and more people tell me you need to try to enjoy this, and okay, I'll try my darndest, but you kept it in-house with how drafts ended up. Because we've overdone the what if they would have drafted Curse? What if right. they would have drafted Sap? You know, you can play that game forever and ever. And, and every team. And who you missed out on. 
Absolutely, we can play that game. But you went with how things ended up, which I think we're going to start doing now with the Lewis Seen group and what have you. And yeah, we'll see right. what this year's group does with, with Blackman. Addison is okay, but we need something beyond the first-round pick. But again, the jury's still out on that one. The jury's come back with, uh, we're guilty of uh, doing some wrong with the year before. So that's interesting with the draft because you could make an entire topic on that because we have. My number two continues with narrative changing. The 98 team, I don't care what anybody says, was probably the most fun because they just were killing everybody. And it just invented the reemergence of the deep pass. Not only was it a play, it was something we leaned on and it burned us eventually. But if Gary Anderson makes that field goal, they're up 10 with two minutes to go. Now I know any seasoned Vikings fan is still playing out. Well, how could they have choked that one away? And they still probably could have. But if he makes that kick or because I've defended Gary ever since, if Robert Griffith hangs on to an interception that goes right through his midsection, the moral of the story is they win that game. Do they win the Super Bowl over Denver? I don't know. I think so. I think they blow them. Out. I hope so. <laughs> but the narrative certainly changes because even if they don't win the Super Bowl, you've still got a goose egg in that column and now you're on five. But you've made it since January of 1977. You still haven't. I just think everything changes if that goes through. That's the lowest of the low-hanging fruit to me, but it came in at number two for me. What did you have? Well, it's it's also how we view kickers. Like, it would have changed how Minnesota view kickers. Well, and plus, there's about seven or eight elements to that game itself that you can talk about, which, by the way, that YouTube documentary I brought up earlier, they do. And Newsflash, a couple of them showed up in my honorable mention, too. But go ahead. All right. So hang on to this one. Sit down. I need All right. you to pay attention. I am sitting. All right. So I have no alarms on my phone, so I am paying attention. 2011, the end okay. of Leslie Frazier, right? So we oh, wait. Didn't he make the playoffs with us in 12? The um, 2011 team um, really was the beginning of the end. Right? Okay. Because we were 2-12 and 12 going into week 15. It was abysmal, right? Adrian gets hurt in this game. Um, we go ahead and beat Washington in a game we had no business winning. We finished the season 3-13, and 13, which brings us to the draft. And 3-13, and 13, we draft third. We trade and, and fleece uh, Cleveland. They drafted the running back from Alabama who never did anything. And we got Matt Is that Khalil. Trent Richardson? It was. Yeah, we, got, me. we got Matt Khalil. And Matt Khalil was good for two years. Yep. Right? And if then terrible, lose, nothing in between. If we lose that game against Washington, right, a meaningless game with a coach who's, you know, kind of on his last breath, it was a lousy season to be a Vikings fan. If we lose that game, we are choosing Andrew Luck first overall. Yeah, I do and think And if we're if, second, it's RG3, second overall. We have our quarterback solved. I do think if the suck for luck campaign would have worked out for the Vikings, it's a very different idea. I'm not sure if we have the years crossed up because – I completely thought that Leslie Frazier was the coach of the Vikings when AP almost had the rushing record. And, he made it, and they made the it to the playoffs. Year. That's I, 12. I thought the year they knocked off Washington and Washington in the lost season, Favre was still the QB, which would have been 10, but I'm not sure. Somebody can Google that and come up with it for us. But suck for luck would have been nice. Um, collapse for Caleb is a mantra now, so it's amazing how many of these are, are timely anyway. So I think that's a great point. I'm going to go to my number one, and then we'll end the segment before we get to Dave Hoops. And Paul Allen, Dave Hoops will be 1045. Paul Allen will be 1030. But I'm going to end the segment with, I think, what would have been the most obvious narrative changer out there. And even for me, who was born in 79, which means it was two years after the Vikings even made their last Super Bowl appearance. But my number one, Dave, simply has, if the Vikings would have won as much as one of the four Super Bowls they've appeared in. Now, still, if you were one and three, that would have been interesting because it's still not a great record. You're dancing, so you must have got something right. right. But I'll still say Leslie Frazier was still the he coach. Was, but I got the year right. So I was also right. Yep. But at the same time, I think if you're one in three at minimum in those Super Bowls, it just changes everything about this franchise because it's amazing to me how many franchises I know in my heart the Vikings are better than overall. But that team has a Super Bowl appearance or a Super Bowl win, so they're automatically elevated. Are we still miserable? Kind of to a much lesser degree. What about just one the one Super Bowl being the first one? So if they beat Hank Stram's team, and they should have, by the way. Right, that's the one they should have gotten if, out of any of them. If they win that one and the attitude changes a little bit to Winnersville, USA, instead of, okay, well, we lost that one, but we got to get back. Nobody get too high up, nobody get too low, and then they go into those other Super Bowls, and they don't get too high, and they don't get too low, and they're just like there's no expectation of winning. 
they didn't expect they would lose, right? But there's no, we are going to win this one. If they win that first one, does the arrogance level work? That's interesting because for me, I look at it the way I look at the Twins. Because you and I were certainly alive when they won two World Series. There is certainly a large faction of Twins fans that weren't around for that. So they look at the Twins and they think, okay, postseason, we just don't do that. But you can learn from those older than you and go, I remember when they were very good and they did this and they did this and it was great. Now, there are Vikings fans that are older than you and I both that can still talk about those prior Super Bowls and the Purple People Eaters in greater detail than we can. But for me, the Purple People Eaters was more or less just a song that I heard a lot. I know who they are. I know plenty about the legacy, the tradition, what have you, but I never got to watch them play. But even those older fans say that was good. We made it, but we never won it. To me, that just changes everything. It, it truly does. And, and the personality of the fans were not so stoic. Right. Like, I think that there would be a higher expectation of, we. okay, so hold tight. We would be a little bit more like Green Bay was before Favre. I love that you just said <laughs> that because that's what I was about to say. I was waiting for you to finish, and that was going to be my point. Because my elementary school years, when I first got interested in NFL football, the Green Bay Packers were our rival, but newsflash, the Green Bay Packers were awful. Bad, bad, bad. But the mantra of their fans and the arrogance of their fans never changed because they had those first two Super Bowls. Yep. You know, they did what they did. So they still had the championship rings to show in our face. Now, mind you, in my lifetime, they got two more. Favre got one. Rodgers got one. So, yes, they have an embarrassment of riches by comparison. But it was weird to me that this team that was annually in the cellar in the NFC Central back then was telling me how much better they were than my favorite team. And I was like, well, when was this? Yeah, exactly. So, so, a, Super Bowl, so a Super Bowl trophy changes things. Yeah. But then to compare it again to the Twins, maybe it doesn't because I know that the Twins-Brewers rivalry is not the same. They're not even in the same league anymore. But I love to say, how many World Series titles you got? Well, it had been so long ago, no one cares anymore. How come Minnesota doesn't get to play by these rules? Yeah, right. The exactly NFL's right. king, that's why. I, I do think you're right, though. I think if we win one of those, it changes the narrative of, of Minnesota. It just does. Right. The funny part about this is there's probably about 70 that we didn't come oh, up with. 100%. Because you could play this forever. So I'm going to read you the ones that made my honorable mention. You tell me what you think. Number 10, love boat never happens. How long is Mike Tice here? True. And, I mean, he's already really loved by the fans. Imagine if that wouldn't have happened and his, his um, history, his legacy would have been different. That was number 10 for me. That was the last one. Number 9, what if Darren Nelson, you talked about games against Washington, what if Darren Nelson hangs on? What if that 87 team goes to a Super Bowl, win or lose, does Jerry Burns hang out a little bit longer? He was older, but still. I, I wonder in your video series if it ever, ever mentions what if Darren Nelson wouldn't have run the wrong route and it would have just gone to Anthony Carter right. who was behind him. Right, the myth that everybody still wonders about. Number eight, back to 98, what if Denny doesn't take a knee? Now, I understood it in the moment because the second half had already been so tragic and maybe that's when Viking fandom crept back into your head and you said, oh boy, how are they going to blow this in regulation? Denny didn't want to take that chance. But in this documentary, I either learned something for the first time or I relearned it because I knew it and chose to forget it. In this video documentary on YouTube, they mentioned that Denny said after the game he didn't realize that he had two timeouts left. That scares me to death. Yeah, well, explain I, I heard it, and I cringed. And how many years ago was 1998? Plenty. God, that's so true. Number seven, we didn't talk about 09 at all. We've talked about it a lot on this show. What if Favre tucks and runs it? And then, of course, you assume Longwell makes that field goal. What if Sean Payton's team never hoists the Lombardi trophy because we do? be a little bit different or at least they get there and again it's different and then my number six was your number five teddy getting injured and that's how we open everything yeah a hundred percent those are all good ones so the what if game is a lot of fun what if we were a lot happier if minnesota was doing a lot more winning sport by sport i'll tell you this about six years ago dave cook and i used to say what if we could get the voice of the vikings to come on our radio show since then it's happened a bunch it's about to happen again stick around we'll be right back Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
One of my favorite songs, Little Bill Withers' Lovely Day. I'll tell you what, each and every time we get Paul Allen to appear with us here on the Northland Sports page, it definitely makes for a lovely day. Every Saturday we get to do this is a lovely day, Dave Cook. We couldn't do it without our great sponsors. Absolutely, Brian. Our sponsors include Comfort Systems, Kohler Hyundai and Kohler Toyota, Pier B Resort, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Avenue 45, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, right downtown Blackwater, uh, and Tavern on the Hill up by the colleges. Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier carrier, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, OAR Holdings, Hoops Brewing, and Arola Architecture Studio. So again, so grateful for each of those sponsors and the ability to bring you this show each and every Saturday. Normally, that's the eve of a big Vikings game when we get Paul Allen with us. Of course, this time it's Monday night, Vikings hosting the 49ers, but we've still got PA on a Saturday and we say good morning right now. Hello, sir. Yo, what's going on, boys? And this um, A is uh, an honor to be with you and uh, have people actually listen to it, which is really, really cool. And um, secondly, it's a rare opportunity for you boys where... I'd say about an hour from now, hour and 15 minutes, I'm going to head out to Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center where you did that show in those nice studios. It was beautiful. Uh, but, um, yep, I'm going to uh, walk out to the practice field, take in the final hour of practice. Oh, good for you, Polly. But after, I'm going to tape my pregame interview with Kevin O'Connell, which normally takes place on a Friday. But now a Sunday has become a Monday, so a Friday becomes a Saturday. And um, that'll play right in front of the Vikings and the Niners on um, on Monday Night Football. So let's say probably seven seventeen, seven sixteen. And uh, here's the bit: uh, Do you guys have a question you want me to ask KOC right into the game, and I'll put it in there for you. There you go. I'm going to defer to Dave Cook wow. because every time we get done talking to UPA, well, Brian's playing scared. No, I'm not. I've, I've got, oh, I've got questions. Scared. Yes, he is. I've got questions, certainly, but I'm going to tell you this. Speaking All of right, scared. Well, give me a question. I mean, I'll just, I don't know if you've ever heard it um, or you know how it goes, but, you know, we're acting like we are right in front of the game. So, therefore, like personally speaking, I don't think Debo Samuel is going to play in this game Monday night. All right. Um, I, also, I also don't think McCaffrey's going to play, but I think McCaffrey might be a little closer than I thought yesterday. So, now you got to head into the interview two days in front of the game handling it like that, you know, where you're not going to make a proclamation, hey, no Debo tonight, Uh, what do you think, KOC? And then all of a sudden, you know, under the cover of darkness, Debo plays and goes for 260 and 8. Right. So you can't do do things like that. So, uh, all right, Dave, uh, Brian's playing slow, so uh, give me a question. Absolutely. After all that, I was ready, but go ahead. So here's the question. We saw Brock Purdy play against the Cleveland uh, defense that has some, you know, good pass rush, not the greatest uh, no, it's secondary. the best defense in the NFL. The question is, how can the Vikings take advantage of what we saw out of Brock Purdy this this week, what we saw last week? Is there any – Is there any? I like that question. No, I like that question a lot. Um, I like that question a lot because you um, – because what you can do is you then can credit the, uh, the Browns' defense, mm-hmm. and you can say, look, uh, you know, Purdy uh, just, just hooked – maybe, you know, the best defense in the NFL. Uh, is there anything off Cleveland's approach you can use to potentially slow a guy who clearly is very poised? Ooh, I love that question. All right, Brian, uh, three, two, and uh, what you got? I was going to say, you already love Dave. Now the pressure is on me for sure. My question was going I to be... always with, love Dave. I know, I know. I know that all too well. My question was going to be, because the San Francisco defense is probably the best in the NFL... How do you neutralize it? Do you have to keep an extra blocker in to chip somebody like Bosa, or do you commit to the running game a little bit further to keep everybody off the field offensively for them, no matter who they have? Feels like that uh, that would be, you know, because I I don't want to isolate Bosa uh, because Fred Warner is um, amazingly good at what he does. Just right. think, think, think Kendricks when, when Kendricks – was, I mean, just on top of his game, like flying all over the field and, and doing Superman dives to knock passes away. Now, Warner's not the Superman dive, knock passes away. His, his pass coverage is good, but against the run, he's, he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And then, you know, you, you also have um, uh, Javon Hargrave, and he's one of those players where people are like, okay, we're happy for you. Well, here, here's how fast the Niners are playing. Javon Hargrave has three sacks. All right, he, he leads them, or he's tied for the lead. Um, but um, 
he played for Philadelphia last year. And, you know, Philly ran into some money problems. I don't know what happened, but the 49ers were like, not only are we going to take this veteran stud who is an inside guy we always talk about who can get to the quarterback, but we're going to pull him from the team to beat the conference. I mean, that's how fast they're playing, and Hargrave's out of his mind good right now. So to your question, um, I think it would be emphasis of absolutely establishing a run to get a, some form of pass game against a team that rushes it from all over the line. Um, I love those, and uh, they're both going to be in. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to uh, uh, somehow find a way to drop a Duluth reference. Very nice. Very nice. We will love that. Something right, about so don't Duluth. Don't forget now, okay? Now, don't, 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 don't let the knucklehead gene set in. I mean, if we're going to do this, 7.15 p.m. Is, is when I would say, listen, maybe 7.14. Uh, it'll be the pregame with me and KOC right up to the boom. And, um, and, you know, there's a 97% chance I remember this two and a half hours from now. Uh, but if the 3% chance happens, no hard feelings. Fair enough. Never hard feelings with you because you join us so frequently. We are chatting with PA. PA, uh-huh. we talked a lot of specifics there. I want to talk a little bit in generalities real quick because we started the show today with an interesting segment that we're going to do for the next month of Saturdays. We're going to play a what-if game historically speaking, with each of the four major men's franchises. We started with the Vikes. And we'll go to the Wolves. We'll go to the Twins. We'll go to the Wild. And So we did the Vikes today, and I guess we should have included you there. We could add you for a half an hour already. But I just want to play, generally speaking, with this week. We know it's been a rough season. This team is 2-4. and four, And there's been a lot of talk about this season being a lost cause, and it bothers me, the collapse for Caleb, all that stuff. I don't want to listen to it. Let's play what if the Vikings beat the Niners on Monday. All of a sudden, you're three and four with a better part of the schedule coming. How much could the narrative change with a W Monday night? Well, the the what if they beat the Niners? The the I mean, the only way to go with it is they beat the Niners. That's it, uh, because they're still we still are so closely removed, uh, closely associated with so many different things happening every single week that somebody like me who, who's you know called games as long as I have and been next to it. That, that I've just never seen. And, and I'm not kidding you, man. I mean, I am not overemphasizing this. And, and we, we've gone over it before. It's, the, it's Tampa fumbling at the two. You're going to win. Philly, the pylon bit, they get the ball. You're going to win. Uh, the way they played against the Chargers, but then a Caleb can't catch it and Josh Palmer can, we were going to win that. There, so there's a lot of that that is legitimate. Nothing you can do about it. So they, they now they beat Carolina and they beat Chicago. All right. So in those games, they have a combined 10 sacks and two defensive touchdowns. Well, that, that's, I mean, absolutely fairly part of the narrative in that you're doing great things against awful teams or teams that are really struggling. So then now the next part of it would be, and, and really the finality of it, they beat the Bears. That's the most recent thing. The last race, the last game is the most important because it's most recent. Um, so now off that, when I watched it back, okay, they won. Uh, but the conservative nature of of the offense and the where and and it where the quarterback chose to go, I mean, I just got to see what they do Monday night because I said this on my radio show multiple times during the course of the week on the on the first possession of the game for the Vikings offensively. T.J. Hawkinson put a double move on safety Jaquan Brisker when. Cousins had a good pocket, and if he had just waited, that's a touchdown. A few plays later, K.J. does the same thing to a corner. If he just waits a little bit in a good pocket, that's a touchdown, but he didn't. You know, he kept going for the first downs, and they got them, so they're getting first downs. But if, if, if it's going to be like that against the 49ers and it doesn't work early, you might get blown out. Right. So to that end, I want to ask a little bit about Kirk Cousins because you talked about you know what could have been play-wise versus what was. Now, the narrative in this town forever, in this state, has been, oh, the offensive line can't do this, that, or the other thing. And then you look at groups of statistics, and this offensive line isn't actually bad at all. So Kirk, to me, with the eye test, looks more uncomfortable than I've ever seen. What's the reasoning behind that if the offensive line is indeed playing well? Well, I define looks uncomfortable. Just looks a little more skittish, looks a little more, I don't like check down Charlie as a term, but yeah, see, you just said not that, having the patience. That's why I asked you that. Okay. Well, that's why I asked you that, because the last part of what you said and, and what's happened over the last um, couple of games, and, and really, really the last three games, there have been some differences, um, is you are right in theory, 
uh, but he does not look skittish. I mean, the feet are not are not jumping. It's I, we've seen that before, man. It was 2018, right? And he was throwing it to the other team, and it was going the wrong way, if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, but the last part of it is is off the examples I gave you, and and you know, it's when you you have to watch this thing back if you really want to formulate the right um, the the right opinion on this, and because you, you got there whether you're watching it back or not, there are just guys wiggling open who you're, you're, if you wait, they're there. But really, who's going to complain loudly about Cousins throwing for first downs and missing some touchdowns potentially when you've been hit 85 times or whatever over the last two years? Agreed. And, I mean, we, whether it's Netflix, we're watching it live, uh, or, or hearing about it, I mean, to a man, everybody knows he takes the hardest and most hits of any quarterback in the NFL, and he keeps coming back doing his best to give you 303. So it's really difficult to get after a guy like that. I agree, except for Dave Cook. We know that we did a call-in show last week, time for two more, that we do after Vikings fan line here in Duluth, and we've got fans that need to be a little more cerebral about it because they do get after Kirk. Go ahead. It's just, it's just so strange. It is. And anyways, I mean, you have to like him, but come on. Um, anyways. But, it, but it depends on what you're getting after. I mean, now when when you when you're quarterback, you know, it's like and and off what you just said, people, you know, coming to certain things, I wouldn't know what those things were. However, there there is a new narrative that absolutely is in play with the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins, and the fact you let your quarterback head into the season to potentially become an unrestricted free agent. Well, that changes everything because that gives people an absolute right to be like, you know what? They're two and four. If they keep losing, then, then copyright Dan call the common man. If you're going to be bad, be biblically bad. Okay. It's, or if you're going to be good, you know, get hot, get yourself in, in an NFC that is murky, man. Lots of teams with three wins. So you can lose to the Niners, rattle off four in a row, and you're probably a playoff team. Right. So, so look at it that way too. But it's a fair narrative to look at a deep quarterback class with a with a bunch of good ones. Everybody knows about, even casual fans like me, and and say that yes, he's a good quarterback. Yes, he does this. Yes, he does that. But you know what? I have the right to want a Jalen Hurts. I have the right to want somebody who can run around outside of the pocket and throw. People have that right. Now, you know, when, when, when you still had two years and $70 million left on a deal, it was a stupid conversation because it just doesn't work that way. But when somebody's set to become unrestricted and a, and a, a super good quarterback class is on the horizon, hell yeah, that, that opinion has a lot of merit. Yeah, that's very well said. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of a piggybacking on this a little bit. So it sounds like Dalton Reisner is going to start uh, this week. The uh, question I have is his reputation is that he's a really good pass blocker. And so does the professionalism, the reputation, does that, when he steps in, will that change Cousins' point of view at all? Not not like well, actively writing it down, but does having that no. pro in front of you make a difference? No, not really. Um, and, and here's why. is is you know Whether Dalton was qualified with Denver as an elite road-grading run guy or an unbelievable pass protector, it's going to be different here because the offense is different and the players around him are different. So, you know, there are going to be new things to morph from him that are going to be some hopefully really good and, you know, some might not be as great as people like. Um, but nevertheless, the, the, with what you're saying, you know, Austin Schlopman uh, did a pretty good job at center, but right before Bradbury came back, he finally settled in uh, to a really good um, synergy between him and the quarterback and the other offensive lineman. Well, see, that's like one underrated thing that Bradbury does really well is he gets things set up so fast uh, because he's so smart and he's done it so long that that helps Cousins when he's looking at the linebacker and all that kind of stuff. So you hit on a really cool point because synergy like that between the guards and the center is super important. But with Reisner, you know, there's going to be a feeling out process uh, specifically uh, if he plays a lot of plays. So I just go with this. I know we like to talk about music on this show. I just hope Dalton Reisner's favorite band is better than Ezra, pun fully intended. But at the same time, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you said about Brian Flores' defense. You talked about the double-digit sacks and the multiple defensive touchdowns in the wins. Is that as simple as they were playing terrible teams and they got it done? You mentioned that. Or is there something that you're seeing from this defense that's a learning curve? Are they getting progressively better? Because it feels like it. Well, bad teams in transition, you know, are bad teams in transition because they have confusion. 
you know, like like Frank Reich, the coach of the Carolina Panthers, said this week at a press conference, I'm giving up play calling duty. So whomever the offensive coordinator is there, I can't remember, he's going to call plays. You know, so they're going through that. Uh, you know, the Bears lost their defensive coordinator to some FBI situation, uh, potentially. And, you know, Chase Claypool melted down. They traded him. So they, you know, Fields is hurt. So, I mean, they, they've had massive problems. So you, 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 good teams capitalize on that and win games. All right. Vikings did that. But, you know, if you remember against certain parts against Herbert, um, but mostly Mahomes and Hurts. Um, man, Flores really had them confused and, and, and checking down and throwing short for long periods of time. And those are the two best in the league. So it's there. It's just the high enders. And, you know, Purdy in the second year should be considered relatively a high ender because of his coach and the skill set around him. He, he play, Brock Purdy plays with the best talent uh, that anybody has in the NFL. Because, you know, when they're all good, I like Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, and McCaffrey, and Juszczyk better than I like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Goddard, and like DeAndre Swift. I mean, Purdy has the best skill players collectively of anybody in the NFL, so, so that's fair, too. Well, so Brian has to look at that and be like, wow, if I take this chance here or if I roll with this trick there and it doesn't get home, man, they got about four guys who can go 70. You know, so so this is a wonderful opportunity to confuse Purdy the way Mahomes and, and Hertz got confused, and hopefully it goes our way with a pick or something. All right, PA, my last question comes from the broadcaster in me. It just needs to know. It feels like forever since the Vikings have had a Monday night game at home. I know it would be better if, say, the Vikings were 4-2 and two and the Niners were a one-loss team. There'd be a lot more mojo behind it. But what's the excitement level like for you, knowing that you're going to the Purple Palace on a Monday night against arguably the best team in the NFC? This should be a lot of fun if we can just get there emotionally. I imagine you're there. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an unbelievable honor. And when I get into the game call or praying with players before the game or chatting with people before the game, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's next-level surreal, the, the blessing and the honor to do this job. But, I mean... You know, with like, you know, to, to each, each and to their own with their lives. You know, it's like Sunday, I'm going to start thinking about nine to noon on Monday, do that, get home, chill, make sure my voice is good, get down to the stadium, have that unbelievable time, call the game, you know, and it's, it's a standalone game. And, you know, it's, it's early evening, but it's still the evening. So it might not be as poppy at times as, as an early game. And then nine to noon on Tuesday morning, then KOC X's the nose tape on Tuesday. What's that going to be like if we lose and just stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just, you know, God gifted me in a way that compartmentalizing a lot of things like that is, um, is something I eventually can get to. You talked about being an honor and a blessing. It is for us every time we have you on Saturdays. We appreciate it again. Enjoy practice this morning. Enjoy Monday, and let's go get a W. Thank you again for the time. Thanks, PA. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Brian, I already forgot your uh, your question. That's all right. It wasn't as good as Dave's. <laughs> he loves Dave. We know that. PA just texts me more than people know. More than people know about Dave Hoops. We'll let him tell you more about himself. He's next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Doesn't Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done sound like it'll be coming out much in Duluth or the Northland area today, but our ray of sunshine always is Dave Hoops of Hoops Brewing. He joins us just about each and every Saturday. Usually it's where in the world is Dave Hoops joining us from? Let's find out. I think he's back in the area today. Let's say good morning, Dave Hoops. How are we doing today? Oh, I'm good. Good morning. I am definitely in the area and um, actually enjoying like a little bit of watch the dogs last night and um, a nice fall day. Yeah. Absolutely. It was a very nice night for UMD last night at Amsoil over Bemidji State, uh, four to nothing. Meanwhile, Dave's still wrapped up in Gopher hockey because someone up here has to care. The Gophers beat North Dakota last night by a count of four to nothing. So I just played it Crayola style. I said maroon and gold beat green collectively eight nothing last night, but it was good. And I'm glad you talked about fall days because I said that to my wife upon exit. When you're leaving a hockey game, you usually wait for that wind to just slap you in. And the trip out to the parking lot is very, very cold and it 
really wasn't last night. So this is a time of year that I love, and it's a time of year that we love in sports because there's so much going on. Dave Hoops, I know you eat that up. Oh, it's it's the best. And, of course, we you guys didn't talk about it much, but it's been a great show so far. But last night's baseball games were epic. It, you know, ne- neither series is captivating, but last night was one of the better baseball nights in a long time. So let's see what happens tonight. Yeah, that's going to be, be interesting. Game. I'm going to have that come up a little bit, probably during buy or sell in the second hour, because there is some good baseball going on. It's just one of those things where when the Twins bowed out, I think a lot of people did as well. But Dave Hoops, I don't think I've asked you this. Who do you got over who's left? I know Houston is on the verge. You know, Philadelphia looks like the team of destiny again in the National League. Are we headed for that type of rematch? Because all the parity in baseball, we could be going down that road of lather, rinse, repeat. We we could, and it looks like that. But I still, I think it's going to be the Rangers in Philly, and I think we'll have a game seven on that, uh, the first part, and um, that'll be fun. I, I'm Philly's the team that I'm rooting for because they're the funnest to watch, really, the most fun. Um, but you never know. In Houston, this has to end sooner or later, but they're they're too good. I was going right? to say, we're all but tired maybe, of it, but they're, they're clutch. What can you do? You know, we're all tired exactly. of it, but they keep getting it done. You know, all these players that, you know, are they past their prime or not? Well, we know what their prime was like, and they find it again in October. That's the story of the whole thing. So a baseball question from me. It's time for Dave Cook's great questions. He's ready to go already today. All right, Dave, you want to start with sports? You want to start with non-sports? Let's go non-sports. All right. So last night, Dane and I sat down and turned on the Disney Channel, and Disney has a quick short about this is their 100th year. Yeah. Right. I watched it yesterday. It was on. really a cool thing. It was on TikTok. I watched the whole thing. Here's the question for you. Who's your favorite Disney character? Of all time? Big question. Yeah. That was the question after watching that. It was like, well, who's the best? That's tough. I can tell you the most memorable because I was afraid of some of the villains in a lot of them, but Dave Hoops, go first. <laughs> well, it's Emilio Estevez, a Disney character. Oh, uh, I, my gosh. That's I mean, ironic. It's tough to argue with Because that. you turned non-sports into a sports answer. You went Gordon Bombay on it. Go ahead. Yeah, I guess I'd, you got to go with it. That's my pick. Yep. I feel like the one I relate to most now is Winnie the Pooh because he would just look in the mirror, look at his belly and go, okay, this is who I am. I feel like I do that every day. I don't feel like I'm Eeyore really at all. If, if Dave thinks that, I really got to look in the mirror and change my ways a little bit. Uh, my favorite, boy, that's tough. I'm going to use another one that I relate to a little bit. Sometimes I wear a hat backwards and I do tend to say I look a lot like Dumbo when I do that because it's just nose and ears. But I really liked Dumbo. I'm going with that one. Well, Dumbo's a good one. Yeah, no, I I chewed on this one a lot. Dana finally looked at me and said, yeah, you're almost Gaston. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not cool. I don't want to be Gaston. I have to think of somebody that's really cool. And truthfully, I came up with a few, um, but I do like the answer of Tigger. All right, yeah, that's a good one. I don't have the speed to be Tigger at all. What's your next question today all for right, Dave Hoops? so we had some sports over the last week that to say the least. we walked out and said, Goodness gracious, with a little bit of discipline, this team wins, right? So, guys, where does discipline in sports lie? If you think about the other keys to success, we talked about attitude, availability, talent. Where does discipline lie in that on that uh, pie of blame? I don't know what you'd call it. Well, I think it's obviously, you know, it's top five. It, it the, the great players already are blessed with discipline in their makeup, their genes, you know, mm-hmm. just – Look at Jordan. But um, if you were watching hockey the other night, I saw Jack Hughes beat three guys to win a game in OT, which if you talk about discipline, that's a really young guy who believes in himself, but he also has the skill set to, with discipline and skill, go by three guys. And you, you have to just go again with talent, which, you know, belies discipline. How about that? I agree with what Dave Hoops is saying. Based on the examples you gave Dave Cook, I'm going to put it third because I'm going to say you have to literally have talent available as the first two. You need talent. You need them available. But then you better be disciplined because we've seen available talent do some great things and you go, boy, this team is going to beat the doors off everyone. And then they become undisciplined. And we always talk about any level of sport. You're in big trouble when your toughest opponent is you. Yeah, The opponent you're up against is always going to be a problem. You add yourself in there. 
And to borrow a line from Adrian from Rocky, you can't win if you do undisciplined play. So I was thinking about this, and the guy that came to mind was Vontez Burfitt. Okay. Because what did he have? The old Bengal. He had ridiculous talent, right? I mean, he was an NFL linebacker who wasn't drafted because of other parts. His attitude, tough guy football player, right? He was a really good guy to have on your team because he was the first guy off the bus because he was scary, right? Did he Was he available? Always. He was always healthy. Why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? Discipline. Right. Because that guy thought it was the thing to do to go headhunting, and he went headhunting all the time. 15 yards, 15 yards, 15 yards. That Bengal team with Andy Dalton had a lot of talent. Like, they could have gone places. They always ended up second yeah. because Vontez Burfett would get the wrong 15-yard penalty at the wrong time. It comes down to legacy. What do people remember about you, whether they're fans or people affiliated with the sport and people that make Hall of Fame-type decisions? Because you look at Dennis Rodman. Was Dennis Rodman weird and in trouble a lot? Absolutely, yes. But if you ask, what do you remember about him? Number one might still be his hair. But number two is his ability to get any rebound and any loose ball you wanted him to get. Yep. That's why he's still a Hall of Fame caliber player and somebody like Burfecht isn't. Dave Hoops, do you mind if I throw in a real quick third bonus question? This one comes from me based on my experience last night. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So last night I sat at Amsoil, and I use handicap accessible seating because I've earned them. And last night the only seats they had left was the handicap accessible section right next to the UMD Pep Band, who does a great job. Their musical talent is tremendous. But I will say this. Tuesday night, Dave and I went to the Dropkick Murphys concert, so we were there to see a band. Last night, if you looked at my seat, you would have thought I was in a band. In fact, I tried to make my cane into a trombone, and my wife was not impressed. But I thought it was going to be a terrible place to sit because you weren't going to be able to hear anything except for the band. It turned out to be a wonderful seat and a wonderful night. What's the weirdest and surprisingly best seat you've ever had to watch a game? Me? Um, That would have been uh, during brewing school when I lived in Chicago. Um, I was upset about it because I had a, a limited view seat at Wrigley um, next to a post. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. But it, it, what happened is it ended up being an incredible seat because that game went 14 innings. And um, it, it's not a great answer because I was able to move down a couple seats from it. But it ended up being a segue into, well, Harry Carey sang twice that night. Yeah. They won in the 15th inning. I've talked about this before. I caught a fall ball. Um, so that was, that was good luck. A limited view, bad seat, good luck. That was the best. What about you, Dave Cook? I know you don't love in-person games. Most of the in-person games you do, you're working at. Yeah, well, and this is one of those. Because a few years ago, I was asked to do a soccer game at Scholastica. And I was like, man, all right. And I went... And because of where I was, because of how I've always seen soccer, you know, watching it on TV, it's like, oh, this is just dry, right? But going and sitting on the sidelines and looking at and, and hearing the physicality and the and the uh, chirping there, that's the word I use so I can stay on the radio. Right. Um, that goes on and the aggressiveness that goes on, that seat one time changed my attitude on the sport. And I've got, uh, you know, I, this year I'm not able to do a lot of it, but I will always go back and announce soccer because the game on on field level is ridiculous, and I never would have known that without that seat that day. Certainly gives you a different understanding of it. The only other thing similar that I had is I had to take a business trip once to Chicago for a job that I had years ago, and a game at Allstate Arena, DePaul was playing, college men's basketball. And I looked up courtside seats and they were dirt cheap, which should have raised an eyebrow to begin with. But I thought, hey, I'm staying at the hotel across the street. I'm going to go courtside to a Division One basketball game. Why not? And I wonder what the atmosphere is going to be like. Well, the answer was there was none. There were about five other people courtside. I think I've seen more at my Duluth East Junior Varsity basketball games than I'm the public address announcer for. So that was fun because I have about eight pictures of the mascot sitting next to me because there was nobody else for the mascot to sit next to. So that was different. Speaking of mascots, I feel like I could be one for you at Hoops Brewing, Dave Hoops. Tell us what's new in the brew hall. I read on social media there are cans available now. Good stuff. Yeah, well, we're selling 16-ounce cans as well as crawlers, and they're they're fun because we're we're putting, like, our flagships in those cans, and we've got the really fun label with our, our um, DJ Mo on the label, right. Aaron Molina, and he's got a great look. 
So that's going on. And then we're just a couple weeks away from starting our makers markets every Saturday, which a whole bunch of artisans come in and, and, and sell, and, you know, during the day in the beer hall, their wares. And that segues right into as soon as Bentleyville opens, we decorate the place. And um, I do love the, the season very much, like many. And, um, of course, we got a bunch of great beers. Uh, the next fruit beer is guava. And then after that, it'll be cherry, 1225. Yeah, man, I and, can't wait. Um, well, and there's all kinds of comments going on about driveway beer and Daisy's best uh, driveway beer because it's just it's a it's a heartstring emotional beer. But Daisy's, which is also the same, is really it's it's my ode to celebration ale, my favorite beer from my favorite brewery, and of course made every year in my daughter's you know name for her birthday. And that segues into the holidays as well because that's going to be out in the market right away, like probably now. So there you go. A bunch of new beers on tap as well, including a brand new batch of Kellerweiss, which is our, our light German style wheat beer, which is clear instead of hazy. That's excellent. It's always amazing how everything segues together. Last question. We're bumping you out with a song called Everyone's a Winner. Obviously, Monday night, not everyone can be. Two teams that you have a bit of a local history with during your life. Niners, Vikings, give me a score and give me a winner. I know you. I know you're picking the purple. 26 to 20 Vikes, and then PA was great, and he's right. You know, we go there, we beat the Packers, and then all this talk is going to go away. Well, it never will. But, yeah, let's win the game. They they can do it. I am right with you. Obviously a winning effort by you again. I love this with you each and every Saturday. Let's do it again in a week, my friend. Oh, thanks, guys. Going to listen to the rest of the show. Go ahead and keep knocking it out of the park. All right, we appreciate it. Another baseball Reference by Dave Hoops. We'll talk some baseball in hour two, but right now we're going to continue the football train. Hour number one is done. When we come back, we got a monster of a coach. Stick around. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.